Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, Fringes of the Faith. I'm Paul Henderson, Administrative Pastor for Capstone Church, and sitting next to me is Parky Coburn, Senior Pastor of Capstone Church. Welcome, Parky. Hey, Pastor Paul. How are you? Well, I'm doing pretty good. So I have a challenge for our listeners and our viewers out there. If you can identify the theme song that we're playing in the background, then we will send you a gift. Be the first one to comment or to send us an email at info at capstone.church and we will send a gift to the winner. Sound good? Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm cheating. I know what it is. So. Well, let's talk about a topic that is uh, a recent phenomenon. It's been in the headlines, and you know that's kind of what we do here on Fringes of the Faith. We we look at some of the topics that are obscure, that uh, are a little bit different, and and we spend some time, some more time than we normally would, a, that we were normally able to during a regular service or a sermon or any, even in a classroom. And so today, while this is not really an obscure topic of the Bible, um, it is a topic that is being addressed by the Bible, and it's a topic that I think that the Lord uh, really wants us to to focus on and think about, and you know, hopefully come to come to an understanding. Mm-hmm. This is a hot topic. It's very it's a very hot topic. It's controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, and but we're not going to shy away from it just because it's controversial. Right. So, what are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about defunding God and the police. God and the police. How does that sound? Wow. Okay. So, what does the Bible tell us about the human race when it comes to being able to police ourselves? That's question number one. Well, there's a lot there. Uh, you know, I, one of the most amazing things to me that is said early on in the scripture is we see that the Lord destroyed the earth by water. And the commentary before that was the man's heart was wicked, continually wicked, and that there was violence had filled the earth. And so the Lord steps in, flood happens, mankind's wiped out except for Noah and his family. And then God, when God speaks to Noah in Genesis 9, 6, he talks to him about the institution of human accountability and protection over the lives of people. Can we can we back up just a second? Mm-hmm. So pre-flood, right? Mm-hmm. Were there any institutions in place for policing or for the enforcement of, of any rules or regulations? I don't think so. It didn't appear to be none that none that we know of. You know, when you even think about uh, Lamech, I, I think Noah's uh, father, and that he had actually, according to his own words, murdered a, a, a somebody because they had attacked him. And uh, you know, there there was no human system of oversight to to try to bring justice that we know of before the flood. Okay, and so then you mentioned something like right up leading to the flood, the earth was filled with violence, violence, yes, and wickedness, wickedness. Okay. Man's heart was wicked continually. The Bible comments and says, and and uh, that the earth was filled with violent acts. Okay, and then let's let's go back to after the flood, then. Okay, then God speaks to Noah, and He begins to institute the the covenant with Noah. And in Genesis 9, 6, I believe it is, is 
he makes the comment that human life is precious and human blood is precious and that God was going to hold an accounting for the life, the loss of life of humanity and that uh, if man's blood is shed by human, it says then by man's hand, by human accountability, will that murderer's blood uh, be shed as well? There would be mm-hmm. accountability for the one who was who was murdered. Uh, God instituted that not just from him, okay, alone, which uh-huh. happened before the flood, but it was man holding man accountable, uh, and that's really. In the Bible, one of the first instances, and I believe maybe the first instance we see of man policing himself, and I don't mean in a bad way, but I mean the creation of an accountability system for justice. Right. Okay. Um, And let's let's go one more. Let's go back to pre-flood one more time, but let's go all the way back to the garden. I'm just wondering, what do you think would have happened? You know, the Lord told Adam of all the trees that you can eat from, um, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What do you think would have happened had Adam, you know, he ate he ate the the fruit from that tree with Eve. What do you think would have happened if the Lord didn't keep his promise to hold Adam accountable mm-hmm. when he violated his commands? What do you think that that would mean about the Lord? Well, for one thing, he would cease being who he, he is, who he was and who he is. Uh, and you know, the Bible tells us that God cannot be false to himself. Mm-hmm. Even if we're faithless, he remains faithful. So he would have violated his complete nature uh, by allowing those things to happen. And not just his nature of justice and purity, but his nature of love. And that's something that we may talk about a little bit more today. But but I, I really believe that justice is a byproduct of love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so he would have just completely violated his nature uh, and would have sinned himself. Mm-hmm. And who knows where all that would lead. Well, I think one of the things that would disqualify him, he exactly. would be disqualified. Exactly. And so think about it this way, though. What happens when we, when we, now that we've got rules and accountability systems in place and enforcement systems, what happens when we have these rules and these laws that are clearly set forth and they're voted on by our chosen representatives, and then they're they're codified by the courts. What happens when those laws are not enforced? Well, when they're not enforced, it's kind of like something starts happening. A phenomenon starts happening, like when you tell your children uh, that these are the rules, and then you don't enforce them. Uh, liberties began to be taken. Uh, impulses began to be acted upon uh, because they know. Uh, that you're, there's no real accountability for for their actions. And so what begins to ensue is something that we read about in the book of Judges, which is every man starts doing what's right in his own eyes. Mm-hmm. That heads us back toward a pre-flood world. Heads us back to a world of what you could say is very chaotic. Mm. Um, I think also, too, that, you know, we talked about if God didn't keep his word and hold uh, Adam and Eve accountable for when they violated his commands, he would be disqualified. But I think that 
when we don't enforce the laws that we, the chosen people, um, we the people, mm-hmm. elected representatives to go and and create legislation to help protect us from lawlessness, if we don't enforce those, then I think that the law loses credibility. And then all of us lose credibility because, as I said, we voted for the people in office to create that legislation. So if we don't support their decisions on creating laws and penalties for breaking those laws, then we are essentially co-conspirators in abandoning the law ourselves, which produces a lack of accountability, a lack of credibility. And like you said, like you said, the human condition kicks in and then we start doing things that we think are right in our own eyes. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. I was just thinking about that. Uh, You know, we have this super great ability to justify our disobedience. And I know we'll probably talk about that a little more in a little, in a minute or two, but um, you know, we have a great, this great ability to think that laws don't necessarily apply to us in certain situations. And so what you're back to is every man creating a law based on the situation he's in. And, uh, you know, what you've done is you've turned that creation. If you don't have laws and you don't follow them, then you've turned the decision for what's going to happen in a certain situation over to an individual. Mm. And who knows how they're going to decide. They're going to decide based upon what their values are, what their pains and their hurts are, what their prejudices are. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and what their wants and what their wants and desires are. So. Mm hmm. And so now that we've talked about, you know, we have laws mm-hmm. uh, and we, the people voted for our representation in the, you know, in the court system and the political spectrum, we're the ones that vote those folks in. And so when it comes to enforcing those laws, um, now, now we know that there are some bad actors out there when it comes to enforcing the laws equally across the board. And, and what are we, what are we saying? Well, we're saying that we know that there are bad police officers, no doubt, but there are also bad doctors. There's bad lawyers. There's bad pastors. There's yes. bad firefighters. There's bad mothers and there are bad fathers. This goes back to the human condition, but let me ask a few questions. Okay. okay. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. Do we remove firefighting services from a community because of a microscopic number of bad firefighters? No. Do we shut down entire hospital systems in a community because of a fractional amount of bad doctors or nurses? No, we don't do that. Do we stop funding schools because of a few bad teachers? No. Do we stop funding road construction because of a few bad construction companies? No, we do not do that. Well, how about this one? Do we toss God aside because of a few bad pastors? No. Mm. So the vast majority, if if we look at policing, because that's what we're talking about is policing. But I just wanted to bring that into perspective Mm -hmm. that if we were to go about defunding every single thing that was wrong in this world, uh, you would have to start with ourselves. You better start defunding yourself because your human condition is you have a sin nature. Oh, yeah. And without salvation, without Jesus... Uh, the sin nature is going to rule. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can train somebody uh, as well as you know how. And because of the human element uh, that's involved in everything, and Pastor Paul listed very well 
just a microcosm of those of positions that people occupy. But because of that human element, you're never ever going to have perfection in those mm-hmm. in those uh, roles. Best you can hope for is to to vet and to and to look for the good people and then have good accountability systems in place for when they are broken. That's good. We're going to talk about uh, that, you know, vetting people and trying to get qualified candidates here in a little bit. So and that in itself is not perfect. It's not. There is no perfect system. Mm -mm. There's only the system that we have. And that's the system that we have to operate in. Um, but I will say that the majority, the vast majority of police officers and police departments carry out their duties with professionalism, without bias, without prejudice, uh, interfering with their duties. And when you think about, you know, there are millions, Pastor Parkey, there are millions of daily interactions between police officers and the public. And when you compare the number of those millions of daily interactions with the number of actual incidents, and I'm talking about actual incidents involving uh, civil rights violations on the parts of the police, you would need a microscope to see them. It'd be like finding a needle in a haystack. But because of the age of cancel culture that we live in, that's what we seem to be focused on now is finding the needle in the haystack. Um, Everybody's under a microscope. And let me ask, I mean, don't you wish that people were as passionate about following Christ and living for Christ as they are about finding dirt on others and canceling them out? Well, yeah, I and, and somebody out there is listening to us probably and thinking, well, here you go. You're, you're becoming an apologist uh, for the police department and for authority uh, figures in general. No, no. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm an advocate of the fact that every true violation needs to have its, uh, it needs to be examined and needs to have its level of intervention. What we are saying, what we are saying is to live in some kind of Pollyanna situation where we think we can get to the place to where there will never be any, um, any abuses is very simply misunderstanding the human condition. Now, should we work the best we can to, to create a situation of accountability? Of course we should. But uh, I agree. I do agree with the fact that there are millions of interactions daily, and the vast majority of those are peaceful and respectful Um you know, I can't be everywhere at once, of course, but I agree with that. And the abuses should be dealt with. But when you lay aside the side by side, the number of abuses and the number of peaceful and respectful interactions, I'm sure the peaceful and respectful interactions way, way, way outnumber the other. Yes. And, you know, you look at that. Across, and that's just the truth, Pastor Paul. That's just the yeah, truth. That is the truth. I mean, when you look at statistically those numbers uh, you'll see that it's a very small part of it now it doesn't matter how small the part of it is it's still important Mm -hmm. it's still important to look at it's still important to investigate and it's still important to hold people accountable Um, so are there any 
examples in the Bible. Let's talk about what happens when we begin to think that we can be living in a Pollyanna world where we can police ourselves. Can we look to the Bible for examples of what happens when the people decide they're going to do what's right in their own eyes and, and just abandon the rule of law? Oh, yeah, there's examples. Uh, you know, the one that comes to mind immediately is uh, the time where Moses and the children of Israel are on the trek, and Moses goes to the top of Mount Sinai. And uh, when the people think that their accountability structure, which was Moses himself, mm-hmm. uh, was gone, they began to, to police themselves, if you, want, if you want to use that term. Uh, they, they began to figure out what they needed to do. And, you know, the Bible says they were running wild. And, uh, so that's one example. Yeah. That's in chapter 32 of Exodus. Um, as a matter of fact, let's read it. It said when the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, Mm -hmm. they gathered around Aaron and said to him, come make gods for us who will go before us because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, We don't know what happened to him. Um, And so here are the people, the Israelites, going to Aaron and saying, basically, we don't know what's happened to to the representative of the law. Mm -hmm. So um, you, you, we want you to do our bidding now, basically. And so since Moses was not acting in accordance with what the people wanted, Mm -hmm. um, the Israelites, they banded together and they decided, let's defund Moses. He's not doing what we expected him to do. He's been gone too long. Um, and so let's defund Moses. Uh, and by the way, that means defunding God. Uh, so let's read what happens as a consequence. And it's we find it you know, in, in just a few verses later. We start in chapter 32, verse 25 in Exodus. It says, Moses saw that the people were out of control. For Aaron had let them get out of control, making them a laughingstock to their enemies. And Moses stood at the camp's entrance and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites gathered around him. He told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Every man fasten his sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from entrance to entrance, and each of you kill his brother, his neighbor, and his friend. So, a uh, pretty harsh consequence there. And uh, but the thing that that stuck out to me was this phrase, making them a laughing stock to their enemies. Mm-hmm. Did you know that our enemies watch how we, as a nation, how we respond to the various challenges that that come along? They study that. And don't you think that when they see all of the division that occurs in our nation that's supposed to be the United States, of America instead of the divided states of America, when they see the division and, and then they see the call to remove accountability mm-hmm. and the enforceability of the law, uh, they laugh at us. Right. They do. And, you know, we're moving into a, a place where we are very divided. We're already there. And uh, we're moving away from the things that united us. And, uh, I think that we we have to kind of get back to the place where we say, okay, what is America about? And I know a lot of people say, well, we're, we are doing that. But we have to get back to a, a series 
of values, not just liberty. Oh, well, we all, we're all about liberty. We all agree that we ought to be liberated. Well, everybody's idea of liberation is different. <laughs> and so if we're going to be able to come together united, we're going to have to be able to agree on what the United States of America is all about. And I, I think when we founded it, we knew now as we're moving more away from the word of God, we're recreating. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to. Mm -hmm. And so going back to the Bible for some examples of lawlessness or, or what happens, uh, it reminds me of the story of the 12 spies that were sent into the land of Canaan. We're going back to Moses, of course, and this is yeah. in Numbers chapter 14. So these 12 spies, they go into the land of Canaan to spy it out. And as you know the story, 10 of them come back yeah. with a bad report. Well, guess what happened to those 10? They were killed. Yeah. Um, and so here's, here's the Israelites. Af after that happened, um, the 10 spies that came back with a bad report were killed. And then God told the generation, 20 years and older, mm -hmm. uh, you're never going to enter this promised land now. You're not going to enter it because you didn't trust me. You've been rebelling against me. And so that was the consequence. And, and here's what happened to the Israelites at that point. And this is a kind of a parallel picture for us. The Israelites, they woke up. And I don't mean the kind of woke that we've been talking about. They, didn't, they weren't woke to all the social injustices that occurred. They woke up, actually woke up, and they said, uh-oh, we defunded God, and look what happened. Now we can make this right ourselves by going into Canaan and now obeying God's original command. So let's read what happens. That's in Numbers 14, verse 39. When Moses reported these words to all the Israelites, the people were overcome with grief. They were overcome. Yeah. They said, uh-oh, we defunded God. Yeah. And now we're in trouble. They got up early the next morning, and they went up the ridge of the hill country saying, let's go to the place the Lord promised, for we were wrong. But Moses responded, why are you going to go against the Lord's command? It won't succeed. Don't go because the Lord's not among you now, and you will be defeated by your enemies. So let's skip down to verse 44. But they, the Israelites, dared to go up to the ridge of the hill country, even though the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and Moses did not leave the camp to go with them. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in the part of the hill country came down, attacked them, and routed them as far as Hormah. So how does this relate to us in the modern defund the police uh, movement? What do we see happening in the cities that have actually defunded the police and reduced the level of funding for their, their departments? You know, I, I just recently read an article in the City Journal that's published by the Manhattan Institute, and they said that 3,700 police officers have quit the New York Police Department as a result of this defund anti-police movement. Um and in, in another article, it said that large swaths of officers are quitting other major cities as well, including Chicago, mm -hmm. Seattle, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, and Atlanta, leaving those police departments severely understaffed. And so we, you mentioned something about, you know, finding uh, qualified people to fill, you know, having to recruit. And those efforts now have collapsed um, due to the social pressure that's being applied to the reduced benefit packages um, for police officers and due to the increased criminal and personal civil liability that they, they could possibly face. And so what do you think this wave of resigning police officers 
What do you think this is creating in these cities that have defunded them, Pastor Parkey? Well, I would say uh, that when you have vast amounts of people that are leaving, some people might say, well, that's good. That's a purge. Well, uh, okay, if you, if you feel that way, uh, maybe, maybe you could hold on to that. But whenever you start uh, turning over vast amounts of people, then you have to wonder who's going to step up into, into their place and what type of qualifications are those people going to, going to have. Hmm. Yeah, so when you think about the Israelites and, and all the rebellion and when they defunded Moses and they defunded God throughout you know, the, the centuries, um, finally what happens is they are displaced out of their land. Um, that was the, the kind of the final straw that broke the camel's back is that, okay, you defunded God. He removed his protection from you and your enemies overcame you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's what happened time and time again. And this is what we can expect if we defund the police, because here's what happens. The police get defunded. Police officers stop protecting the people. Crime overwhelms the cities. And then the cities cry out to police officers to protect them. But unlike God, who's merciful, because you cry out to God with a sincere heart, he will answer. And, you know, you humble yourself. He says he will heal you. He'll heal your land. Mm -hmm. But unlike God, who's not a man, who is not human, I think, I believe, it would be extremely difficult to find any human person or police officer willing to forgive and forget about how society treated them. I would not expect all of the officers to return to a pre-defund service level in those cities. Uh, what I'm saying is just like it took a whole new generation of Israelites to move into the land of Canaan. Uh, if we continue down this road, it will take a whole new generation of police officers to get back to protecting and serving at the pre-defund levels. Yeah, usually when, when you're dealing with people that feel as if uh, they have been disrespected or uh, are not supported in their job. See, these people are doing a job for us, okay? They're doing a job for us. They're, they're policing for us. And when they feel like they don't have the support of the community or they feel like they have been wronged or their character has been disparaged, then uh, why, why are they going to run in there uh, and put themselves in precarious positions? Uh, human nature, like you said, is just not to do that. Yeah. And then getting back to the recruiting, when you've got these vast people that are leaving these departments and you've got, uh, you know, hardships and all of these obstacles to overcome in your recruitment, um, then what are you left with? You're left with a pool of candidates or applicants, uh, a very small pool of whom you need to fill those positions. You've got to fill those police officer positions in order to maintain some level um, of patrolling and, and protection. And so now you're left with a much smaller pool and, you know, even through the vetting, it dwindles down even more and, and you're trying to find the perfect 
candidate, which none exists, but you try to find the perfect candidate and you, there may not be anyone left out there willing uh, to do the job that you would normally hire, but you have no choice. And so now you've really cut your nose yeah. off despite your face. Certainly that could happen. Yes. Mm. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about um, what Jesus' position do you think would be on defunding this defunding movement? Well, I think that we can look at the Bible. Let's don't, let's don't, you know, somebody says, well, are you going to speak for Jesus? No, let's, let's look at the, what the Bible says. I think uh, that the Lord, uh, never raised uh, any type of rebellion against existing authority in his day, even though much of the existing authority had problems. Um, the Lord is about changing the heart of, uh, of mankind. And he puts no value uh, on disobedience uh, to authority. He, he never put any real value on that the only uh, you know he did he didn't even rebel against Pilate. Mm, that's good he could have he did yeah he, he said i could yeah that's what he told he i mean he said i could mm -hmm. i could raise a rebellion against you 12 legions of angels mm -hmm. but he didn't uh you know he had the harshest words for the church leadership of which he was the head uh, when a synagogue actually the jewish leadership but as far as raising any type of rebellion against existing authority, he, he was not for that. No, he wasn't. And so that concludes this portion of, of this podcast about defunding the police. But we do have a little bit more to talk about when we look at the Bible and to see how Jesus responds to these type of questions. Because he actually was asked a question about how do how are we supposed to interact with the authorities above yes. us. Right. And so we're going to talk about that in our bonus material. But for now, we're going to leave this as it is. Uh, but we encourage you to, to watch the bonus material to hear the rest of how Jesus would respond or how he did respond to an effort to uh, defund the government of his day. So... I hope you stick around. I hope you watch for that. In the meantime, you know, as always, uh, stay alert, stay in the word, and be not deceived. We love you guys, and we will be seeing you very, very soon. Bye.